Hello everyone, welcome to Sec Tools podcast by Infosec Campus. I am your host of the show Sanup Thomas. Today we have Emily with us to talk about an interesting projects on uh privacy on images. Uh Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Emily to get a uh, straight on the project or before we start doing that, let me hear about you where you started uh from computer science or rather information security area. What's your background? Yeah, so I am a PhD student at the University of Chicago. I have always loved uh math even um as a young kid and growing up I always knew I wanted to use math in ways that help people. So as I went through undergrad and then towards graduate school, um that was kind of always my focus in the research topics I chose is how can this sort of esoteric numerical science become something that is helpful to the people that I know and love and I gravitated towards security and machine learning because those are like very relevant topics that touch a lot of aspects of everyday society and uh, that force has really driven me to work on projects like this So this is your your uh, pretty much the first uh, PhD project on personal privacy. Um I've worked on a variety of projects in the adversarial machine learning space. Um but I would say this one is the first one that people have noticed. Uh so yeah, we've done stuff with backdoors against or in facial recognition systems. We've done stuff trying to attack and defend neural networks against various attacks, but this this twist on adversarial machine learning touches privacy and people are really concerned about that interesting so to um, probably a lot of our audience may not have understanding about what exactly that you worked on i have come mm-hmm. across with the projects on my twitter feeds uh, because one of one of my followers actually talking about these projects and i found it very interesting um so mm-hmm. uh, fox right um, yes. how did all these projects started like can you brief about like what is what is it all about yeah so As I've sort of hinted at, there's a broader field of machine learning that's called adversarial machine learning. And the point of that field is to understand what are the vulnerabilities of neural networks and other really large machine learning systems. And those vulnerabilities can range from things that are just kind of benign to issues that are really like big and complex such as, you know, the use of facial recognition and how do we fool it and you know is it good is it bad that kind of thing so our project was born out of a, a variety of other projects we had been doing in our lab related to this field of kind of poking around at neural networks and seeing how they were vulnerable um but as we were working on these projects we sort of started to become aware that there's not a lot of tools out there that provide individuals any sort of protection or recourse against these machine learning models. All the research right now is devoted to just kind of these theoretical explorations of what could you do to defeat or evade a, a neural network's facial recognition power. So that really caught our attention, my attention, and I thought, well, if the whole goal, you know, my sort of thing is using math to help people. Like can't we develop a tool based on these principles of adversarial machine learning that could help people 
fight back themselves, evade these unwanted sort of intrusions using techniques that already exist from this sort of adversarial machine learning space. And that is where we got started. Interesting. So um, uh, it's it's mainly about images, right? Like, you know, you yes. kind of like clean up the images to make sure that your uh, personal privacy is protected. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people uh, are okay or rather open to post things on online, uh, especially mm-hmm. on these uh, social media platforms or, or um, rather like an image uh, collection platforms or whatnot. So... Mm-hmm. what do you think about a personal awareness um what what do people usually care about when when it comes to like sharing images what what kind of as an attacker perspective what i can retrieve from such images if you can just brief from your your research yeah so from the attacker's perspective i think um there's a variety of incentives that they might have to to scrape these images that are on social media and use them think the primary primary one that we're sort of trying to counteract is just plain profit. Um, a lot of companies such as Clearview.ai, which sort of provided the motivation for our project, even though we were working on it before we knew it existed, um, they scrape images without people's consent and use them to train these neural networks that then are sold as facial recognition services to a variety of people. Um, Clearview used to sell to pretty much anyone who would buy, but they've since come under public pressure and have restricted their customer list to just, I think, law enforcement departments. Um, but there's there's a real disconnect there between what these companies are doing, which is very intrusive and obviously without consumer consent, and then what people want or what their sort of perceived um, risk is when they post photos online. And I think it's hard to say exactly you know, I think you're asking like, what do people want when they post photos online? And that is a very individual question. But I think it's reasonable to say that no matter what your privacy risk level is or how much you perceive uh, these companies to threaten your personal privacy, I think it's reasonable to assume that as a consumer, you want some assurance that your photos can't be misused in a way that is totally harmful to your privacy. Um, but right now there really are no guarantees about that sort of thing. And that's why Fox is attempting to provide some. So, uh, I mean, when I think about, um, individual uh, awareness on sharing mm-hmm. images on online or any other social media, um, mm-hmm. it's probably three aspects to it. One, can an attacker extract my image metadata to see my locations or what kind of devices I'm using um, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, I mean, some of the websites actually expose this information just on their page itself, right? If I, if I open those applications, yeah. it just shows that like what kind of camera mo- mo- models or, or the phone models that I'm using and what is my um, geolocation mm-hmm. tags and whatnot. So that's one aspect of it. The mm-hmm. other part is it helps a lot of attacker or people with a malicious intent to cre- uh, create a social mapping to know mm-hmm. that who am I connected with, um, mm-hmm. who are my parents or my relatives and my, my close connections and whatnot. And the third mm-hmm. aspect is something that you have taken a next level is to um, kind of defeat the, the purpose of facial recognition because facial recognition recognition mm-hmm. pattern itself is something beyond that 
uh, someone have actually thought about uh, the first mm-hmm. two aspects there are methods uh, which may be personal uh, awareness may be less there but there are still soft is that allows you to like you know strip off those metadata but but to mm-hmm. defeat the facial recognition uh, data that extract from those images are something like next level so um, mm. what's your take on the metadata collection services or or the the companies that are actually performing violation to the, those personal privacies without user consent i mean obviously that's not okay uh, it's really frustrating that there is an industry that exists taking advantage of consumer ignorance um and that is a big problem and i wish there were more tools out there to help people like for example my grandma who posts images to facebook to share with her family but has no idea of the risks that she's kind of taking upon herself by doing that i think that yeah it's hard to know exactly what the purpose of purchasing metadata and things like that or stealing it rather is um and it's for a variety of purposes but yeah you're right that fox is really not trying to address that question although it should be addressed fox is focused exclusively on kind of protecting images themselves not the associated metadata from unwanted facial recognition and intrusion so unfortunately we can't solve all the problems yeah i agree uh, but that's a problem that probably a lot of people have been considered about um you know on defeating the facial recognition services so that's mm-hmm. that's a great mm-hmm. work there so the fox itself is like an open source project so you you hosted it on on in the team uh, github projects i mean github repository yeah. so people can actually use it and they have for mm-hmm. uh desktop softwares right like a mac linux and windows mm-hmm. or not a lot of people uses mobile phones maybe it's a very lame question but do you have a plan to build maybe a, a mobile application on it or <laughs> leave leave it that leave that to the community yeah we, well we felt very strongly about opening this software up to the public just because that was the whole uh you know ethos of the project was that this should be a tool for consumers to be able to use uh to protect themselves. So I'm really glad we were able to do that and to build such an extensive code base and to package it into apps and binaries. Um I think the frank truth of the matter is we aren't mobile developers, we're researchers and there is a limit to what we can do because we're also trying to continue pushing forward on other areas of research and continuing to, you know, move forward with this sort of line of thinking. So we would love to have a mobile app i think there are in addition to just our time and skill constraints there are other issues with that um primarily that associated with just compute power foxes is not just a small little application it's doing a lot under the hood um because it's doing these intense mathematical computations involving neural networks that uses a lot of specialized hardware um so it can pretty easily happen on a personal computer because every personal computer has a gpu um but mobile phones the compute power and the memory requirements might be a lot so we're trying to figure out are there ways we can make this work but we don't have immediate plans to make that happen just due to our bandwidth Yeah but at least you you made that source code available so people can actually look into the code and learn from what the, what you have built uh, and then probably get yeah. on that um you know start building projects on top of it 
Uh, so that's which would be great. Yeah, we would love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the the application requires some hardware requirements. So can you explain more about the architecture? Um, or what's what happens uh, at the background uh, from the technical standpoint? Yeah. So what's going on behind the hood is Fox takes your picture or under the hood. Um, Fox takes a, an image of you and or several images of you, depending on how many you're planning to cloak. And it sort of calculates a mathematical, we call it a feature space representation of your image. And it does that so it can find someone else whose feature representation looks very different from your own. So we have this big um, sort of background database of quote unquote target images. Um, that are just publicly available data sets where we, so we compute your feature space representation, which involves a, a neural network computation. And then we also compute the feature space representations of all these target images. And we choose one that's pretty far away from yours in feature space using, you know, some mathematical distance metrics. Um, and then we run this optimization procedure where we slowly transform your feature space representation into this other person's feature space representation while enforcing the constraint that the image visually shouldn't change too much, which is why the cloaks end up being very imperceptible, even though the model will see the picture very differently. So those two different things, both the computation of the feature space representation and the optimization procedure are pretty intense. Uh, typically these days, neural networks are designed to best work on GPUs or graphics processing units because of the way sort of the matrix multiplication ends up working inside the neural network. Um, it can happen on a CPU, but it's much slower just because that hardware is not optimized for those kinds of computations. So those are the specific hardware requirements and kind of what's going on behind the scenes. But it's a hefty task. I don't know if you've tried it out uh, personally on your computer, but it does take, you know, 30 seconds up to a minute, depending on how quick your GPUs are. For the for the single uh, image? Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah. It, it gets faster on our, like, local server cluster because we have much more powerful than average GPUs, but on a laptop, it's different. I see. Got it. Yeah, I mean, on, on the personal laptop, uh, I think 30 seconds uh, time, Mm -hmm. Fair for a personal use, anyways. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so tell me about the the project teams. You you had a bunch of uh, PhD students and professors actually working on the project. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So just bring these uh, names. Yeah. So Sean and I led the project. Sean is a rock star. He just graduated from the University of Chicago undergrad, but he's been researching in our lab for about three years already. And he just joined our lab this year as a first year PhD student. So he, I'm starting my third year. Sean honestly has more research experience than me and he's many years younger than me. <laughs> so it's really fun to work with him. And he is very skilled at what he does and did a lot of the code, most of the code writing for the project. So it's been great to work with him. And then two other women were on the project, Jiayun, who was a visiting student from, uh, I believe, Fudan in China and was here with us last fall. And then Huying is another PhD student 
at the University of Chicago, and she is a rock star as well in her own right. So that was the student team. And then our faculty advisors were our, our academic advisors, Ben and Heather. Um, ben and Heather are a great team and have, they bring a lot to the projects and really bring different skill sets that help these sorts of things really work out beautifully. Um, so yeah, it was a really fun team to work with. We had a great time and we're continuing to enjoy, you know, dealing with all the press coverage and, you know, trying to publicize the tool and get it out to the open source community as best we can. Awesome. The project, uh, I mean, the coding um, has its own time frame, uh, but how long was the research? Just curious to know, like to, to understand under the hood activities, like what uh, image uh, metadata consists of or the facial recognition patterns. Um, how much time it took uh, for the research time and for the developing time? Yeah, so Sean, Sean had like the glimmer of what would eventually become Fox probably last June. And he, he said something like, what if, what if you put a picture on Facebook, but you put a bunch of weird noise on it so people, a machine couldn't recognize you? And we all kind of thought, all right, interesting. And then we all went away for the summer on internships. And then we came back in September and I think Sean was still gone. So I started working on, you know, what would it mean to put noise on an image? What, what would you actually need to do to sort of corrupt a facial recognition model so it didn't recognize you? And that was last September. And once then Sean came back and then we all started working together on it and uh, we submitted the paper in February and now here we are. And we're presenting the final version of the paper actually on Thursday at the Next Security Conference virtually, of course. Awesome. Um, yeah, this project is something um, that is totally different from what maybe deep fakes do, because yes. this is this is your picture, but mm -hmm. make sure that the the picture is like. Um, uh, defeating the all uh, the facial recognition patterns, but deep fakes mm -hmm. are totally different. Um, it's 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 a non-existent person. It's just an artificially created uh, image um, mm -hmm. that has different use cases or abuse cases. Uh, but this this has mm -hmm. definitely a huge impact uh, on uh, personal privacy. Uh, so great work there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, deepfakes are so interesting, but they are definitely a different can of worms. Um, so our our goal is obviously to just change your picture enough so that it doesn't look like you and deep fakes yeah, are a whole different situation, but could kind of interface with this in that, um, you know, you could use a deep fake as sort of the target for your facial representation tweaks that we're applying to your face, which would be an interesting future research direction. Um, but yeah, very, very different, also important. Yeah, but Fox uh, add a lot of noises to the uh, original image. So um, mm -hmm. the, the image clocking means that you're adding more noises or you're removing the existing facial recognition pattern? You're, it's not, no. I feel like using the term noise implies that it's random. Yeah. I think Fox adds perturbations that change the existing underlying face features. So, you know, sometimes depending on the level of cloaking you're applying and the target 
uh, feature representation that's been chosen, the perturbations are more obvious than others. But yeah, that's what's going on under the hood. Yeah, and you can you can sort of I think set a trade-off in terms of your perturbations because the more obvious they are, the harder it will be for you to be recognized once a model's trained on this corrupted data. Um, so yes, it, there's a trade-off there. Yeah, the examples that you have actually showed on the website, uh, visibly there is, there is very minimal or rather no visible changes at all. I've tried it on my personal system with one of my self-image uh, and visibly there is no difference. So, so as a user, we don't really understand what exactly changed, but under the hood, uh, all the technical patterns have actually removed. So, uh, yes, impressive. Yeah. 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 It's, it's one of those things. A big thing in adversarial machine learning is this understanding that machine learning models look and see things and images differently than humans. And even if an image is totally unmodified to the human eye, because the machine learning model is essentially looking at every single pixel close up because you represent the image as a mathematical tensor before you put it into the model, it will see, quote unquote, these patterns differently. And that's why Fox is able to fool the models. Interesting. Um, so yeah. before um, we conclude the sessions and um, for people who wanted to get into open source coding or rather like mm -hmm. doing some inter interesting research because I mean, open source projects have, some of them are like just casual projects. Um, no offense, mm -hmm. there, but they are useful projects, but some of them mm -hmm. actually just not useful, but it's more impactful like Fox, um, mm -hmm. because it's the current issue, how we personally use informations and we trust what's there in the internet, but, but they have, mm -hmm. they have under the hood, a lot of, uh, background, uh, abuse cases as well, which, which users are not really aware about, or they don't have a visibility of what actually happens background the scene. Um, mm -hmm. so Fox actually is more impactful projects rather than just useful projects. Um, so <laughs> why do you think that? <laughs> <laughs> because images are, um, more spread out there, um, because people like to post selfies or just personal images and they just keep, keep flooding the internet. But a lot of times mm -hmm. we don't really understand, not even just removing the metadata, but that's a different story. But, um, mm -hmm. Currently, like most of the um, application uses uh, facial recognition systems or for authentications and uh, for for document verifications and whatnot, so they use a lot of uh, um, modern technologies to use human face as a prior mechanisms to authenticate and authorize people. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have other side of the, uh, in, you know, or rather say, I don't know, I don't like to call it as like dark web. <laughs> but it's, it's always yeah. like the, the actual verb turn into like a dark web these days because we don't really understand how these informations are being processed and used by mm -hmm. companies. And, and, um, and what we see is like, hey, this application is for free to use and we, I can just share people pictures and just get more likes and shares and whatnot. Uh, but we don't know yeah. how they're making money out of it. Um, so, so that's why I feel that such projects are actually very impactful for the society, for the people who are actually in on the internet and trusting the internet and, um, uh, you know, have more awareness of what, what your information could, um, impact on your own personal life. Um, it's not just mm -hmm. facial recognition and whatnot. It's also for tracking you down, you know, literally like you can yeah. know the person where, the, where he leaves or where she leaves and, and it can be used for like what's uh, stalking people's and, and mm -hmm. the abuse cases are like, uh, like there is a plethora of informations on that. 
um so we <laughs> we can't we can't really understand how an information scan stand against you unless someone actually abuse it um, yeah. so if i talk to my parents like hey why do you post such pictures like ah huh, uh, who's going to use it i'm not a target uh, there is no informations <laughs> on that uh, but then you'll have to educate such people and and such softwares are are really interesting when i um uh, spoke to my mom about uh, the project and she's like why do you need to use that project and i explain her like this is mm. what you can do with the pictures and this is what the project is actually do trying to do and she's impressed <laughs> so well, well great i'm glad <laughs> yeah i think i think half the battle is just like bringing to light these dark sides of technology and helping people understand truly the risk that goes into even just interacting with facebook on a daily basis and you know you don't want to be a fearmonger but i think it's important to be honest about you know what is going on behind the scenes and, and then also at the same time develop tools like fox that sort of abstracts away some of this risk for people and i hope that the existence of fox encourages other resource researchers in this space to think more about ways of providing individuals like your mom with these sorts of protections um on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. I really uh, like to see a community take the project and uh, probably build more softwares and more use cases on top of it. Um Yeah. And this is just a shout out if anyone wants to improve our user interface, we would love that because we are not UI designers. <laughs> yeah, UI is more harder. I'm not good at that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful art. Yeah. great uh, so emily before we wind up um any words for the uh, new or i don't say the young generation but people who wanted to actually build security tools or rather privacy tools or, and contribute mm-hmm. to, contribute to open source communities and uh, uh, any any word of wisdom i think i think the greatest gift younger researchers can bring to this community is a flexible and thoughtful mind. I think there are a lot of people already in this space who have a lot of great technical knowledge, but I don't think that's the totality of what we need to continue to make the online community safe and private and pleasant for those who interact with it. I think we need more researchers who think deeply about ethics and about uh kind of the philosophy of what's going on with research and what's going on with the decisions we make to develop certain technologies and i think those kinds of perspectives would go a really long way in terms of making the world a better place as we interact with technology so that's my thing thanks uh, emily for sharing a interesting experience and the project details and this is uh, really inspiring and we definitely look forward to see communities take the project to the next level Thank you. Thanks for your time.